3: All right, let's do okay. this. Three, two, one.
4: Okay, I got to say, Adam, you look really great. Your face looks entirely different. I said it before we started rolling, yeah. and it's the kind of thing that I thought a peek behind the curtain would let people in on.
3: All right, well, let's let people in on it. Yes, I, thank you, and I'll say, as I told you um, before, so we're peeking behind the peeking behind the curtain, uh, I have lost 57 pounds now.
5: Found it. Amazing. Oh, Paula said found it. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Paula.
5: Yeah. I'm going through a major pot belly phase uh that is in part genetic and in part surely ruffles potato chips. Yeah, it's not good.
3: You, your face looks exactly the same. I mean I've seen you basically from the chest up for the last two years.
5: Yeah. Well that's best. Your
3: face looks fine. Is your belly big now or it is really it just big. like
5: yeah, it is. It's big. Wow. Really? Um yeah. I cope. You know, I wear a lot of crepey scarves that during the day. <laughs> that's how I
3: scarves? Where do you wear the crepey scarves? I wear the
5: crepey scarves and they drape over my Oh my god.
4: Uh, oh, so sort of a Stevie
3: yeah. Nicks thing. You're all oh flowing. And, it's a okay. little ethereal. negligee.
5: I have a negligee. I have a lot of Eva Gabor's stuff from Green Acres I bought.
3: Green the, Acres, sure, yeah, sure. I bought
5: years ago in a sale. And I'm wearing <laughs> a lot of that. She was a lot smaller than me, so I've, I wear two, um, but it works. <laughs> uh,
3: sure. Yeah, it works. Oh, but negligee, that's an unexpected fashion choice.
5: Yeah. Well, you wouldn't know it because you don't see that. Do you owe it of, to Tony? Is body. that why the, you went negligee? Oh, neglige? my gosh. Oh, because of the... The awakening. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah uh, no, no, I've been wearing these for yeah. years. Uh, yeah, I've been wearing, it. but I just wear them off. You you can't see because you only see the top part of me. I'll bet you thought I was mostly just wearing a t-shirt. No, at, in the lower part it becomes a a negligee. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, in the garment industry <laughs> they call that a tilajay.
5: A tilajay?
3: Yeah, that's what it is. Or negligee. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I'm wearing a negligent, uh, which is a a garment that i put on and then pay no attention to um tony somebody told me the other day oh no somebody told me the other day that their kid uh like little kid listens to our podcast oh no and they said that the kid has developed a way of saying no the two syllable no that you do oh,
3: no wow.
5: That's so noah.
4: great, I want
3: to apologize to that kid right now for our book club because it has turned racy around here, yeah, what about I don't that? think
5: the, i don't I don't think the kid is old enough to really understand it, but they do get noah, noah, I love it. Noah. Um, All right, well... Pe- peep um, behind the curtain right there. Yeah.
3: High-level hurt- curtain peeking.
5: Whoa. I
2: did, I Googled what a negligee looks
5: like.
4: Oh, come on. Did you really? didn't you know
5: what a negligee looks like? We just what? started, and already <laughs> you're distracted and Googling? Oh, that's a comfort. She can't help herself.
4: Well, and like... I thought
3: you were chat gbt nowadays.
4: I know. Oh, don't. I love chat-GBT. See? Oh, this is troubling. My nephew taught me how to use it, and I'll tell you something. There's been some people lately that have sent me copy for like paula the podcast blah blah and i've thought wow these guys are really good writers i wish i could hire them to do paula's bio and then my nephew was showing me like you know paula poundstone bio as a marketer and this thing came out that was so unbelievable, and I'm recognizing now that the language these people were using is all probably coming from this. Okay, Sorry.
5: let me just say this. Oh, no. If you rewrite that motherfucking bio one more goddamn time, <laughs> we don't need another But bo- It's not going to It's not going to, there's no way that that is helpful. It's not like there's new things. I was born in the same place. I was raised in the same place. I started the same way. Oh my God, with the bio. (laughs) The only new information there's going to be in that bio is that in mid-2023, Poundstone Dumped her manager manager. for many years. Well, there's a whole
3: negligee thing. Yeah. Well, well, that's true, but that's
5: a peek behind the curtain. Oh, my God. I just
2: asked ChatGPT to write a bio for Paula Poundstone in the tone of Paula Poundstone and include a joke about a negligee. Oh, you did? (laughs) Oh, my God. You have to read that. Let's hear it. Hey, there. I'm Paula Poundstone, (laughs) your friendly neighborhood comedian and cat enthusiast. I've been performing stand-up since the days when mullets were in style and oh answering machines with the latest death race.
4: This is so frustrating. Let her finish. This is such <laughs> bullshit. I know, but it's like not a real person. I want to hear the shade joke.
3: Yeah, keep going.
2: I've shared stages with legends, laughed with audiences big and small, and my cats have even heckled me from time to time. Speaking of oh cats, God. I've got more feline friends than I have mismatched socks. And that's saying something. Oh. My cats have Ooh. seen me through thick and thin. Get just like that old negligee I've been hanging on to since the 80s.
3: Wow. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <laughs> just, I'll just end there.
5: I mean, that's there. A, that
3: might as well have been Paula.
5: <laughs> uncanny.
3: No, it's horrible. It's awful.
5: You know, thank goodness we don't do a cold open. Oh my God, I forgot we're still in that.
3: Yeah, let's just do this. Can I start? <laughs> no. I've got a great intro written by ChatGBT.
5: Oh, thank goodness.
3: Okay, here we go. Hey,
1: Come hey, to you live
5: from this our... Ha- j- yeah. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Hey folks, it's me. Uh, uh-uh. I spewing out jokes like a blender spews orange juice. Folks, yeah,
3: dead on. That's a de- that's a good Paula Poundstone impression right there, Paula. Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, folks, California. We're coming to you live, this live, folks.
5: <laughs> folks, we're, folks is a word that a politician uses when he Obama wants used you to it a think lot. he's yeah. not a politician. Okay, no, okay. Uh, uh, Obama's exempt. Uh, okay.
3: okay. Well, right, here go. we go. Coming to you live, folks, from our houses in Los Angeles, no,
4: California. No, I think, wait, this that was a little just... low-key. No. It didn't sound like your regular enthusiasm.
3: Because I'm so tired.
5: <laughs> I can't imagine why. Because you've
4: beaten it out of us with chat GPT. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying, one of the fun Come things here. in this show is, I really like, is, you know, coming to you live the way you say it.
3: All right, okay. here we go. <laughs> from our house you can't take
4: out that part where you weren't saying it <laughs> like, like no i want I that know. in i you want that peek behind the
3: curtain just, <laughs> okay. but you just interrupted me doing okay, it Okay, right i'm shut to gonna shut up okay good good good, good. here we go <laughs> from our houses in Los Angeles, California. This here is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life now powered by ChatGPT. <laughs> Tonight, the history of TV. I think we all know the Poundstone version. Someone invented the cathode ray tube. And then there was <sighs> Perry Mason Greenacres, Mary Tyler Moore, Columbo, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, The End. But it turns out there's a lot more to it than that, and we've got real-life TV historian... Professor Michael Kackman here to tell us all about it, on an audio medium no less. I'm Adam Felber, this show's Lou Grant, irascible, lovable, and doing his level best to keep this band of lunatics in line until they give me a dramatic spin-off. And now please welcome the woman who somehow always manages to be the wacky neighbor on her own show. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay! Hey. hey folks, welcome
5: Paula. Hey folks, folks.
3: <laughs> oh, that's so Paula.
5: Oh, folks, I it's me Paula Poundstone. <laughs>
3: Uh, like a spewing witticisms like a
5: like a welcome wagon volunteer Uh, so before I say another word folks I want to welcome back house band Gabe Terraciano hold on I get you know what he's gonna have to have this bio rewritten uh uh Gabe is a Grammy-nominated violinist living in New York City, and you can catch him playing around the country this fall with bands including the Turtle Island String Quartet and the Avalon Jazz Band. His solo albums, In Flight and Three-Part Invention, can be streamed and listened to on all major platforms, but please buy it on Bandcamp. Hey, Paula, what's new? Hey, uh, you know what? I have some lovely news. Uh, oh,
3: wow, that's good.
5: Yeah, there is a kickball team in Philadelphia, part of Stonewall Sports, that has named
3: the team Bala
5: Poundstone.
3: <gasps> wow, like B-A-L-L, Come like they're on. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. That's yeah. so yeah. great. And that's in Philly, which oh, I like gosh. to think of as Tony Town. It is Tony yeah. Town. Yeah,
5: it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I was so flattered to hear it. I, I don't know that there necessarily nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listeners. I have no idea. I don't require that of kickball teams. So anyways, uh, uh, the Balla Poundstone team, uh, we are behind you 100% here at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And if you, you, know, you want to send us uh, you know, pictures or updates or uh, tell us how the team is doing, um, we'd be very excited to hear about that's it. That's a rough sport. We're excited for you. Kick them in the nards, ball of poundstone. I think you're thinking of a different kind of game. Uh, <laughs> kick, oh. kick balls, like baseball, but with the ball the that you kick. You were thinking just uh, kicking yeah. people.
3: No, that's- All right. Kick no. the ball into their nards, ball of poundstone. No, that
5: would, no, that would be uh, uh, illegal. That would be, you can't, uh, okay. yeah, you'd take a base, hit the batter, take oh, okay. a base, remember?
3: Oh, okay yeah you okay. can't yeah um,
5: you can't kick all right uh, you kick the ball boy you must have been difficult to raise you were one of those boys that would get a stick and then it was all over for the whole neighborhood uh, That's anyways right. so uh, thank you uh, uh, kickball team ball of poundstone in Philadelphia with with Stonewall sports they could um, get I'm a nobody t-shirts as a uniforms. Wouldn't that look cute? Yeah, it wouldn't say the team name. I'm not sure that you really understand things like (laughs) theme songs or team names. I just like that T-shirt. You know, it's it's correlated.
3: It sounded more... Desperate.
5: Yeah, there was a desperate tinge to it. Oh, yeah. All right.
3: But you know what? Let me aid you in your desperation, Bonnie. What Bonnie is referring to is our Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone website, where you, any kickball team or just private citizen, can get a hold of great Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone gear, like uh, I'm a Nobody t-shirts, I'm a Nobody long sleeve t-shirts, which are very, very good for the uh, kickball field, and hats, trucker caps, and the like, either saying the name of our show... Or saying I'm a nobody. How about this, Bonnie? How about you know it's back to school season, and wouldn't it be great if your
5: kids' elementary school class all wore I'm a nobody T-shirts? Well, you can make that happen. How about that? Anything? Whoo! Uh, I think Tony should do that CBT
4: chat thing. Maybe something as a no, promoter for the add. Paula never
3: kick using kickball team. Yeah. <laughs> never. How about using, how about this? Merry Christmas, everybody! Oh, what's wrong, Timmy? Oh, I guess I got everything I wanted, but except for one thing. What's that, Timmy? Oh, I wanted a I'm a Nobody trucker cap for my favorite <laughs> podcast where that woman says no. What would that be, Timmy? You know, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Oh, Timmy, look under the tree. I think you missed something. What? Oh, my God. It's an I'm a Nobody trucker cap. How's that?
5: I don't think GPTQ could have done a better job. That was unbelievable.
4: I <laughs> doubt they could have. I think maybe, but they have to go to the nobody list Paula Poundstein.
5: Oh my god. Website, right? Oh Paula Poundstein. So now Paula Poundstein. Poundstein. S- <laughs> suddenly suddenly my background is changing. Um Paula
3: Poundstern yeah, now? Yeah.
5: Hey. Isn't it time to start the book club?
3: It is. Yeah. It is time to bring to order the last installment of the Get a Life Chloe Brown Bookie 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 Book Club.
4: (laughs) Hello, book club, my old friend. We're going to talk of you again. (laughs) If the book's a hit or if it stinks. We're going to tell you just what we think.
6: You can read with us or you're going to get a censure, and will. You'll go go to hell. Welcome to the Boogie Book Club.
4: song the original one better or you like this
3: I love that Bonnie and it's it's a suitable goodbye song to the book club for now okay as we race to the conclusion of get a life Chloe Brown before we begin I just want to once again
5: thank Tony Anita Hall for changing my (laughs) life with this book
3: yeah I agree I will summarize what happens um, they're having marshmallows on their camping trip and talking about how they may do the deed. And then they do said deed after confessing all kinds of stuff to each other about their pasts and stuff. And, and there's a bit about how Red has imposter syndrome, but it was really more or less handed to him. He didn't develop it on his own. Uh, He even had to rely on a partner for that. And then a very, very facetly fabricated, really unconvincing fight comes up, like Tony predicted, and they're apart for half a chapter, and then they reunite, and uh, they're happy together, and they're traveling the world. The end. And Paula Poundstone, how did you react to the end? (laughs) Especially that hot, hot intercourse scene of Get a Life, Chloe Brown.
5: Well, the sex scene was transformative for me (laughs) Uh Uh, um, I'll just I'll read a little bit of it for the listener looking like a girlfriend in a daisy patterned jumper red enters Chloe's apartment Chloe was already wet all over (laughs) So was Red.
4: Oh my God.
5: He joined her on the couch. They hovered for a titillating moment before they linked their eight arms and two tentacles for (laughs) head-to-head contact, an intimate embrace. Red wondered if his working class tentacles were good enough. Chloe's muffled moan told him they were. He squirted sperm into her mouth with a specialized arm to fertilize her eggs. (laughs) Oi, I didn't hear that coming, but I like it, Chloe quipped. Chloe gave a coy smile, excused herself to the bedroom, laid her
3: eggs, and abandoned them. <laughs> that was beautiful, Paula. Um, there's a part of it that makes me think that it's not directly from the book. It is. <laughs> and if I may, I hate to correct you, but um, Chloe has an English accent. Um, hi, here. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly like it was. So uh, that was uh, well-rendered, yeah. Paula, and uh, somewhat revealing of your distaste for sexual relations between any species. I hope I read it well enough um, for the listeners, because it was
5: so, you know, it's a, its its an arousing scene, and it was written so well. Uh, very titillating, and, uh, you know, I think we can all relate
3: to it. I think so, too. The tentacles really helped. Uh, yeah, it was quite a thing to, to read,
5: and... Um, <laughs> I'm a little breathless. That, I'm a little breathless from reading it. Yeah, it was... no,
3: no, no, you're flushed. You're absolutely yeah. flushed, and so is yeah. Tony. Um, But I'm not going to go to Tony right now. I'm going to give her time to, to fan herself. I'm going to go to Bonnie Burns, who's been on quite a journey of this book, from hating it, to not hating it, to liking it, to kind of hating it again, and definitely thinking that romance novels were not for her. Bonnie Burns, where do you end up at the end of Get a Life, Chloe Brown? That is a really good summation, Adam. You know, last week,
4: Tony said that when you pick a book and people criticize you, like because we'd been criticizing her for the book pick and that it hurt her feelings. I think She she said said that? Yes, she did. No, she said, oh, that it doesn't feel good. I think maybe it was that it doesn't feel good to pick the book because when people are critical. I guess that's what she said. Okay. I think we should decide that if you pick the book, people can say mean things about you and (laughs) it's okay. I think we should make that a new rule.
3: (laughs) That really went a different way than I thought it was going to go. It, it sounded like you were about to say something really sensitive and conciliatory, no. and then you c- kind of turned. I,
2: I said it doesn't feel very good when people don't read the chapters and aren't participating. No, and I, I
5: yeah. It. I, That's I right. From yeah, I, Bonnie totally made up the whole, I
4: swear, <laughs> yeah. oh I God. thought that what you said was... When me about when people don't like the book or they're critical of the book.
3: When people don't read the book that she yes. chose, I think she's perfectly okay with insults because she's been on this podcast for a <laughs> couple of years. Okay,
4: now. well if she's not, I don't want to hurt Tony's feelings, so that's I why I think no matter who all, picks the yeah, book, we she doesn't we can have be mean to hurt them feelings.
5: Them yeah, she doesn't absolutely. Um, Tony, how do you feel about Bonnie not listening to you?
3: <laughs> oh, well done, Paula. How does that make you feel, Tony? <laughs>
5: I
2: think the ge- her gesture is very nice. Well, the gesture. Her gesture was- I want to
3: remind you, the gesture was her saying that she gets to shit on you because you chose the book.
2: <laughs> okay. But it could be any one of us.
4: Yeah, right. it could be.
3: Yeah, so, but it was you. So
2: <laughs> Okay, I get it. <laughs> here's,
4: here's, I thought oh she God. said it to to feeling people don't like the book. Okay, oh, the reason I said that is because <laughs> I went to the last... I was gonna do the last three pages because I felt like out of respect to the writer, I should read how she led up to the end, but I couldn't do that, so I did a page and a half. And, you know, it was the most insipid, Stupid ending. <laughs> and Wait, so you skipped the last couple of chapters? Yeah, no. And so when I sat down to read you it. the you only know, conflict in the book. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It all ended like, okay, and now we like I each other. I have and we, to move to censure Bonnie Burns.
1: No, you don't get
4: to. I, I, second it. You're I did that a few, yeah. I guess about three or four days ago, because I got a free trial offer on Super Summary, and I had seven day free trial offer. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll do Super Summary, and at least I'll have okay. an idea about the book. But I couldn't even read the Super Summary. I just, you know, unsubscribed. And I went to those last couple of pages. It just didn't do it for me. And not only that, but I've been listening to some really good writers like fiction on books on tape. And I don't even think her writing is good anymore because it's all this, you know, he was like a red brick and that made him feel hard. Everything has like a thing after it. And I don't think like chat GPT does that. <laughs> yeah. Like it's what do they call it? An analogy or something? I don't think that's good writing. Metaphor. Do it like every sentence.
3: She did do a lot of it. Yeah. So
5: she didn't do a, a metaphor. She did a meta five, six, seven, eight. She went on and on.
3: Yeah. So if someone um, there is this Paula Poundstown brought to you by Chat GPT that I've come to know and love. <laughs> so
4: if somebody would have asked me, you know, what do you think of the book? I, uh, a week ago I would have probably said, you know, it's good. She's she's funny. Now I would go blah. Just yeah. go. Just go masturbate
3: somewhere. Bonnie, if I (laughs) were would give the honest answer, which was I didn't really read it.
4: No, because it doesn't matter. It's the same. Okay, they broke up. Now they're back together. And didn't it end with some sappy thing like she got what she wanted or she was going to be happy or some stupid thing like that?
3: No, but that's, you know, it was something. It ended with a thing. (laughs) Metaphorically, didn't it? Well, you skipped ahead to a year after the action yeah. of the book ended. That's the epilogue. Yeah. You I knew it was called an epilogue. I read.
4: <laughs> I saw when I was flipping the pages okay. that it said epilogue. Yeah. That's
5: the part I read. You, should, you know, I think you would have been more gratified <laughs> if you read the cuttlefish version of the sex scene.
3: <laughs> All right, uh, Tony Anita Hall. I'm going to ask you to represent, and I'm going to back you up on some of the things you're going to say. Maybe not all of
4: them. Well, how do you know what she's going to say?
3: I'm going to say something mean then, just because Bonnie gave me permission. Oh, okay. (laughs) okay. Oh, yeah, we're allowed to now.
2: First of all, I do think the book was probably about 50 pages too long.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: I will say that. And when I picked it up and I started reading it again... I was was like almost, I don't know if it was like a mood or whatever, but I thought, meh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I want this to be done.
5: Were you acting it out? Oh, wait, what? (laughs)
1: Easy, (laughs) Paul. I do do the accent
2: sometimes, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Moving on. Yeah. And then when they had their fight, I thought this is so, she's all that, or how to lose a guy in 10 days. Like, am I a bet? from his side and then the whole fight was very it's I wouldn't there wasn't more there was not a lot of contrived yes it was very contrived and there wasn't a lot of conflict throughout the whole thing I mean like they they didn't get along and then they just kind of got along you know what I mean but then I'll be honest with you and then I found myself sobbing
5: you were crying (gasps) over this book
3: 100 percent, believe it Yep. when
5: she reads the letter he wrote her i was a mess
3: that's awesome me,
5: was it when they linked their eight arms and two tentacles for head-to-head <laughs> <laughs> contact was that when you No, it was wow. it was she
2: i just oh i was i was a mess and then i just finished i was like okay that was and, and exactly how i thought it would and how i wanted it to and i was i was glad i read it
3: wow absolutely I agree with you that it was 50 pages too long. To me, it really comes across as a first-time novelist. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't know that, I might have guessed it because yeah. she does kind of run out of gas, and she does, as Bonnie pointed out, do the same thing again and again. I thought there were some parts that were really well written, the whole history of Red and how he, we finally got the history of what happened on the art scene and how that imposter syndrome thing. And I thought that the imposter syndrome bit was probably um, written well enough that our guest from a couple of weeks ago might have liked it. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, you didn't read that one. The game of imposters. And then, and then there was the big sex scene, which you remember what I pointed out last week about how it's all about Chloe and it's just not believable? Even when he finally got his, it was all about Chloe. It was? Oh. Okay, this yeah. it
2: was don't take this the wrong way, but Adam, I thought about I was also thought about what you said. While I was reading,
3: you were about apart. to say you thought about me yes. while reading this. you the thought
5: about Adam while, while <laughs> No, I thought about Ren... what
2: you said. To be uh-huh. very clear.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, she's good
3: friends with. Oh, who is it that calls you? It's Winnie Feynman.
5: Yeah, she's good friends with yeah. Winnie Feynman. No,
3: no, no, no. no. The- Tony hasn't walked down the Winnie path. I, I get what you're saying, Tony, because, yeah, that thing that I said is very much Absolutely. evident in that sex scene.
2: Absolutely.
3: It's not that I wanted Red to be there selfishly seeking his own pleasure, I wanted Chloe to give a shit about <laughs> it.
1: She
3: <just> does not. <laughs> just, oh, Red, keep doing that thing I asked you to do and now do another thing I'm going to ask you to do and he's like, yeah, I really want to do that because you asked me and that's the end.
2: And now I'm going to fall asleep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and she literally falls asleep, which, which
5: is excused by her fibromyalgia. That's not true. She didn't fall asleep. She gave a coy <laughs> smile, excused <laughs> herself to the bedroom, laid her eggs, uh-huh. and abandoned them.
3: That's it was you. in a tent anyway, Paula. You didn't read the end either, did you? Just, I did.
5: I did. This is it.
2: Just know. Just be okay. honest. I moved
3: to censure Paula Poundstone <laughs> as well. Okay, pa- Paula and Bonnie, you guys were the bad kids on this book club. It
2: feels good to not be the bad kid.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I want to say something in Tony's defense. I know that Tony did research uh, to pick a book that was, you know high on the recommended list. And this book... Jeez, imagine if she didn't do research. (laughs) I mean, it got all kind of awards. Best Romance This and Best Romance That. What does that tell you about romance novels? Uh, Don't read romance novels. It's not my thing.
2: I think there are a lot of people out there who enjoy this book. And I'm one of
4: them.
3: Yeah, okay. Well, that's not a lot. (laughs) And I think another thing that got it as many awards is that inclusiveness.
5: Yeah. I mean,
3: Chloe is suffering from chronic pain and fibromyalgia. Yeah. She's, a, she's okay. a woman of certain oh. size and certain color okay. that you don't necessarily associate with a romance novel. And I think a lot of people were happy to see it, and I think the awards were in part due to that inclusivity.
5: Uh, did you pay any attention to what specifically the awards were? Um, Tony, who's the author again? Talia, Talia Hibbert. Talia
3: Hibbert. Talia. Talia Hibbert. Let me okay ask
5: Chuck, because GBT. it got to, would you leave that thing alone <laughs> she got nominated for a Talia and she won a Hibbert <laughs> okay does that tell you anything? <laughs> no I mean it yeah.
4: even got awards for not romance novel like USA Today picked it as a really good book to read it got Accolades. It's not a
5: bad book. It's a bad, it's book. Terrible a bad book. book. It's, it's an insipid bad. <laughs> bad book. I'll tell you what was the best part of the book. was Chloe's muffled moan oh, told God, him that's... they were. <laughs> he squirted sperm into her mouth with a specialized arm to fertilize her egg. That's probably the best
3: part of it. He book. never had that much agency, believe me. Oh, I, I didn't see that kind. I, I like it. <laughs> with an English accent, please. That was
5: my English accent. It was, but it was with a mouth... Full of- and with that,
3: I'm going to bring this ignominious edition, uh, probably an all-time record in uh, censures, to a close. Thank you to Tony and Anita Hall for choosing our book. Okay, wait. And uh, that's the end of the book. I have a book closing book. theme. Oh, wow. Okay,
4: here we go.
6: <laughs> close the book. It's a horny bitch. Don't think we were (laughs) dreaming. That tall Hibbert's got a potty mouth. Now we're done. You got your way, Tony, (laughs) and we're all hard and (laughs) bothered. Thanks to Chloe Brown, you're happy.
3: Oh my God, Bonnie! <laughs> that, was. that was remarkable. Is there anybody you want to uh, credit yeah. for helping yeah. you do So
4: that? that was written by our fabulous editor Vic Lowry, and he produced it. I picked the music. Wow! What well, the okay. combination of really the
3: two good. of you is was really fantastic. Yeah, is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want that collaboration to continue. You know what? Yeah, not that was something special. Not
5: since the Shags. Has. <laughs> I think we need to hear it
4: again You know when you hear it the second time It's like when I did Sweeney Todd And then okay. there were like all these things right. in the lyrics That I hadn't realized I think we should mm-hmm. hear this again Oh we should
3: totally Because now we'll be able to hear it Without any other listeners clogging up our airways. <laughs> <laughs> okay Let's hear the listener free version <laughs>
6: book. (laughs) That's all there is, baby. (laughs) Chloe got what she wanted. We all understand she's a
4: lots of fun you know
5: i think maybe you do need to redo my bio and just add (laughs) in that towards the end of my life uh i became a, a sex addict yeah we broke paula poundstone
3: and set that bio to the tune of
5: both sides now Oh, that's clever. Oh my gosh, that was phenomenal. Phenomenal.
3: You know everybody, Groucho Marx once said, I must say I find television very educational. The minute somebody turns it on, I go to the library and read a good book. But there have been 70 years of TV history since then, and as far as I know, in all that time, nobody's written another book. We explore the history of TV when we come back.
5: On this day in unremarkable history, Pianist and composer Friedrich Chopin said, The knife jokes are a riot, but it's pronounced Chopin.
3: (laughs) Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show... Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection, which I have the newly released Helix elite collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers. And they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take
5: Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders
3: and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula, and use the code HELIXPARTNER20.
5: This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
3: Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula, and if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adam! Yes?
5: One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, and the sixth one has started a podcast. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally checked Learn a Language off your
3: list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. Don't do it. Or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And Paula, I got to say, I really appreciate the whole like getting phrases that are important to know in that language right away like how to order food how to ask for directions how to speak to merchants and i really dig more than that the speech recognition technology because even if some of our listeners think that i have a weird cadence when i am attempting to speak spanish (laughs) i am (laughs) i am speaking it well enough for the Babel app to understand what i'm saying at least when i do it right like this listen to this adios carlos ya te vas si es tarde Entonces, buenas noches.
5: Hasta I don't think you have a weird cadence. I think it sounds great. Thank you. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Yikes. And their football team is fantastic. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Is there some kind of special? Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Wow. But only for our listeners
3: at babbel.com slash nobody. If I'm not mistaken, Paula, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash nobody. The one spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, and then you just add a slash and the word nobody, and it's 55% off? Yeah. Wow. Rules and restrictions may apply. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code adios hey guys it's adam and tonight is january 3rd and i am picking Jonas and Cupo to score less than 36 points and james harden to score more than 16 why because i like beards am i putting a lot of money on this i am not because i'm not really a gambler but i am having a lot of fun with prize picks prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, who I would lose to, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in, or in my case, not. So I don't bet a lot. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three points made, plus receptions. Do I get that? Kind of a little bit. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So... It's like an insurance policy. Go to PrizePicks.com/nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. That's PrizePicks.com/nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. And then drop by and see how I did with the Greek freak and Harden again on January third. My hopes are not that high. PrizePicks daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you, house band Gabe Terraziano. Yeah! Hey, Yay, great. Gabe! What are you? Hey, Paula, what's new? You're chomping at the bit.
5: I am. Adam, I love television. I don't like bad television, but I love television. <laughs> I used to feel sort of embarrassed about how much I loved it. One season when I was in about the junior high, I think, the station that showed all the syndicated shows in the afternoon had a lineup with the Dick Van Dyke show, and I kept the TV guide announcement of the lineup in my underwear drawer. Ooh. It used to be considered a non-intellectual pursuit to watch TV. My dad called it the idiot box and the boob tube. There was even a Honeymooners episode where Ralph buys a TV and Alice counsels against it. And of course, Alice turns out to have been right. But that was a made-up story about television being bad. Told on television. That hurts my head. It's a powerful force in our lives. It's an escape. It's a reflection. It's sometimes educational. And it was, indeed, my babysitter when I was a kid. Television is such a big topic. I think we could do a segment just on television every episode. I mean, I've lived through a lot of television history, but I'm I'm certainly not an expert. There are experts. Media studies is a thing. There are historians that know all sorts of stuff about television. And it would certainly be informative to talk to them. I don't think we'll ever get to, though. Not on this thrift shop podcast.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's really unfortunate, Paula, but that, yeah, our guest this week has nothing to do with that. It was your suggestion, though. We have the uh, inventor of the Conga line this week, Enrique <laughs> Geraldo de Conga.
1: Yeah, that's certainly
3: interesting. That's a. And so Enrique Geraldo de Conga coming. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. No, Enrique is next week. Next week is Conga Line. Paula, the expert we have this week is exactly the person you're looking for.
5: Wait a minute. Well, well, that's a coincidence. Serve with a seven-layer dip.
3: Ain't it, though? He is a television historian with a Ph.D. in media and cultural studies and a professor in the Department of Film, Television, and Theater at the University of Notre Dame. He is also co-host of ACCA Media, the official podcast of the Society for Cinema and Media Studies. Please welcome Professor Dr. Michael Kackman. Wow.
0: Golly. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> that welcome. That was quite a setup. Um, I was just watching some old episodes of Battle of the Network Stars, so I feel like you've kind of interrupted my evening, but, but that's okay.
5: What was Battle of the Network Stars? Was that a sports thing?
0: It, well, it was kind of a sports thing. It was Howard Cosell as host, uh, like a high school field day with all of the stars of current network shows competing with one another on the campus of Villanova University. And they were really competing.
3: It was like, you know, Joyce DeWitt trying to elbow Scott Bayo aside as they ran exactly down the track. You know. Scott Bayo was a heck of a kayaker. The pool kayak.
0: Oh, was yeah. he? Yeah.
5: I only wish he'd kept going. Yeah,
0: he he probably could. <laughs> he probably could have. <laughs> the world would have been a better place. I, well, yeah, well, he's going out of the state now.
5: Yeah, he's going to move to Canada. He doesn't like us anymore. <laughs> Bye. Um, what were the earliest television shows?
0: There was a lot of stuff from early radio. Lots of variety shows, George Burns and Gracie Allen, they went to TV. There was a ton of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. recycled old uh, film serials and stuff that were cut up into pieces and spliced together. There was also really, really cool stuff. Um, Early TV didn't have videotape, videotape didn't exist. So a lot of the stuff was live, which is familiar to folks who are used to working in radio. So there was a ton of uh, live anthology drama
5: Give us some names what like if i turned my television on in the what, 1950s was that when that yeah came to yeah okay yeah. and uh, you know and i'm and i'm switching through the dial what's the name i'm gonna see
0: um well uh, you could what you could go back and you could watch marty which you might remember as a motion picture yeah. which won best picture with ernest borgnine as marty
5: yeah that
0: was an adaptation of a story that began on television
5: Oh, wow. Yeah, that wow. was first. That
0: was yeah. a teleplay. That was a live anthology drama uh, by Patty Chayefsky. It was theater uh, in your home more than it was radio with pictures.
3: Uh huh. But those TVs were tiny, right? I mean, Oh, like some of them were totally. Absolutely. Four by three wasn't an aspect ratio, it was an actual measurement of the screen. Some of the first ones. That's right.
0: That's right. They were little. They got bigger quickly. Uh, but yeah, they started out pretty small. By what year
5: was there a television in practically every home?
0: Probably 90% of American homes by 1960. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So throughout the early 1950s, TV wasn't even really a national medium. It was regional, and there were big pockets of the country that had little or no television. That opens up by 53 or so, and things start expanding really quickly after that.
5: I don't even think Texas was entirely on electricity.
0: You know, I think you might be right.
5: Lyndon Johnson brought electricity to all of
3: Texas. Yeah, but he used a cup, which was it was. It's a long way to carry a cup. <laughs> then, then they got the idea to run wires, yeah.
5: You know what? They did use to connect the wires on the fences, and that was part of how they brought electricity to uh, Texas. Yeah. Wow. It's a little something I that's happen safe. to know. It's not relevant to what we're talking about, but that's not the point. Uh, I
0: like it anyway. <laughs>
5: What years was uh, network news ratings the highest?
0: Network news definitely was watched by a whole lot more people in the 60s and 70s into the 1980s than than it was after that. There's no question about that. But even by the early 90s, network TV news is a single-digit ratings kind of show. And by the mid-1960s, Some of the most committed TV news producers, Fred Friendly, who was a VP at Mm -hmm. uh, CBS, was complaining about the CBS brass increasingly wanting network news to be a profit center. Mm -hmm. And through much of that early network era, news programming was a way for the networks to demonstrate their public service bona fides, but they actually didn't make a lot of money on it, and so they were under increasing pressure to make news profitable, which Made the reporters and uh, producers grumpy, um, and really, by the time we get to the explosion of cable in the in the '80s, network TV news is not the thing that people are going to networks to watch.
5: I remember reading a story in I think it was The Powers That Be by David Halberstam. Yeah. I think that it was Fred Friendly, maybe, who kept a picture of the Beverly Hillbillies on his wall in in his office so that he could point to it and say that that was what destroyed the news. Mm. Um, Because he felt like it made, you know, viewers went to this silliness instead of valuing the news. And I imagine probably what you're saying about the investment that it took in the news probably the fact that the Beverly Hillbillies I imagine made a lot of money also created friction for the news people
0: yeah I mean it definitely creates some tension that's a an ongoing issue throughout a ton of television history it certainly is yeah
5: yeah definitely now um what was the first legal slash cop television show was it Perry Mason
0: um Perry Mason was early and of course Perry Mason was adapted from novels like it Perry Mason didn't begin as a TV show. Dragnet is really early. Dragnet was a radio show, and then uh, that became a really big, prominent hit for NBC on TV. At the time, they called those shows semi-documentaries or documentary melodrama, which is an even better term. What they're doing is capitalizing on interest in true crime and fictionalizing it.
5: Jack Webb, he used to get stories from the LAPD.
0: He did, but um, oh, wow. he probably also had a fair amount of creative license.
5: Oh, I imagine so. Yeah, a lot. I was living out here when Jack Webb died, and the LAPD gave him a 21-gun salute, oh, and I yeah. thought, that's just sad, because he wasn't a cop. No. Uh All right. So Dragnet, I don't think was ever in black and white, but Perry Mason was in black and white. No, Dragnet,
0: absolutely. It was? Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're remembering the Dragnet episodes that were, when they went back into production in the late 1960s, it began as a black and white show and it went off the air and then they brought it back, partly because Jack Webb was such a culture warrior that he felt like... You know, the world was going to hell in a handbasket in the 1960s.
3: I got to step in.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so we went back into production and made a bunch of, of new episodes. And that's where we get like the really crazy ones, like, you know, Blue Boy with the kids on acid and stuff like that. Um, oh. <laughs> and with. Uh, Those damn kids
3: with their acid. Yeah.
0: Harry Morgan as his
3: sidekick.
5: So Harry Morgan wasn't the original sidekick?
3: no. Well, about Perry Mason and the other radio dramas that became TV dramas, yep. did they just move or did they remain a radio drama as well? And if they remained on radio, did they just kind of separate or did they try to do the same plot? Kind of all of that. Uh, they Really, they
0: oh, did wow. some things, just picked up and moved to television. Some would keep a radio show and a TV show relatively in sync with one another. And, of course, these are not really serialized in the way that we think of TV today, they're episodic, episodic uh-huh. um, sure. and so each episode is relatively a standalone story. And then there are some that the TV show becomes kind of the dominant form, like The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Of course, you know Ozzie Nelson was a band leader who then uh, develops you know a TV show where Ozzie plays Ozzie Nelson.
3: It's really complicated. Wow. It's just the Kardashians with a script, right? Oh,
0: totally, totally. And then, and then they would have radio episodes that were essentially kind of spun back off of the TV show.
5: I'm not proud of this, but I sadly started watching Law & Order uh, in hotel rooms a few months ago. And I saw a Law & Order episode that entirely took the script from a Perry Mason episode. And it was an identifiable enough script that you know, you might say, well, they're all a lot alike, but this was, this was about an artist that believed themselves to be, you know, a gift to the world, and was doing forgeries, but was promised a gallery show. There were too many details, too. So sim- they just stole it from Perry Mason, which, uh, see, to me, uh, Perry Mason was one of the greatest shows ever made. The very idea that a Dick Wolf show would go back and steal from it. It proves that it was one of the greatest shows ever made.
0: And you wonder why the writers are on strike. Right? And
5: I heard that Betty White lost a show that she had because she insisted on keeping a black performer. Is that urban lore, or do you know that to be true?
0: You know, this is one of those questions where I think the graceful response is to go with the man who shot Liberty Valance response and say that when the fact becomes legend, you print the legend. So, yeah. So it So it happened. Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean I've heard multiple versions of this and it doesn't feel not true. I enjoy
3: your credulity there.
0: Well, we we all have our carefully uh, constructed moments of credulity so we got to hold on to.
5: Yeah, it. you just th- you've thrown shade on the Betty White story. Uh No, no, no I'm no, saying I'm no. in. I'm in.
0: Uh, I'm just saying I'm in. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not rejecting it. I'm not criticizing it.
5: I, I read a book about Sojourner Truth that had reasons why the author believed that the uh, Ain't I a Woman speech never happened. And the author even said in the intro to the book that her friends hated her as a result uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, wow. it was it was just more fun to believe that there was an Ain't I a Woman speech. Um, I'm not saying that's what you're doing. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I get it. I heard the Dick Van Dyke Show was not considered successful in the first year if that's true do you know of any bad reviews of it back then or did they even review stuff back then
0: i think every tv reviewer has had a review that they would go back and read and think what the hell was i thinking?"
5: yeah because it's a brilliant show
0: because you go back and watch those dick van dyke episodes and they are so smart every and one of them. so sharp They're fantastic yeah just absolutely brilliant
5: they say it was for like the first year that would be a lot of it, negativity about a show.
0: Yeah, I think it. I think it took it a little while to find its legs. I think that's fair to say.
3: You know, George Gobel said, "If it weren't for electricity, we'd all be watching television by candlelight." <laughs> uh, nowadays, of course, television doesn't run on electricity. It runs on the broken dreams of great minds whose awesome pilots never got picked up so many times that he had to turn to podcasting. I'm. I mean, uh, more TV history when we come back. <laughs>
5: Adam, are you crying? (laughs) I'm fine.
3: I'm fine. The Cat of the Week is Teasel from Menden, Massachusetts. Hey, it's just me,
5: Paula Poundstone. I want to tell you about a headgum podcast I think you're going to love. Fake the Nation with Nagin Farsad, which I've done a few times now. So much fun. You may know Nagin from her TED Talk, from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, or her book, How to Make White People Laugh. On Fake the Nation, Nagin and a rotating cast of her funniest, smartest, and most politically astute friends, people like Samantha B. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Paul Poundstone, Larry (laughs) Wilmore, Margaret Cho, and more. Break down the news, make you laugh, think, and deliver a gut punch to humanity. Wait, do we really want to deliver a gut punch to you? I thought we wanted to uplift humanity, support, uh, (laughs) protect humanity. But apparently Nagin has gone over to the dark side. I'll tell you, I I have had so much fun doing this show. Nagin tells me that one time I role played Naomi Osaka's publicist. I don't recall that at all, uh, but... (laughs) I'm going to have to go back to that episode and listen to it because it sounds funny. Uh, Uprox calls Fake the Nation the perfect lighthearted fit for a newsy podcast cue that needs a little levity, meaning the news needs a little levity, (laughs) not the podcast because it is very funny. Subscribe now so you don't miss another episode of Fake the Nation airing every Thursday. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or, and I hate this phrase, Wherever you listen to podcasts, like none of us would figure that out.
3: Fun fact, because of the increased dopamine from the warm water, people are actually more creative in the shower, which is great news for everyone except painters and tuba players. I don't get it. Sorry. I do. Uh, because because painting and playing the tuba are things that are hard to do in showers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, leave that in, Vic. That's, uh, that's a fun moment. <laughs> 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 all right.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we're back with Dr. Professor Michael Cackman. All
5: right, Michael, what was the highest rated individual broadcast of all time?
0: I'm hoping it's the one I thought it was. What do you think it was? I'm a teacher, I gotta ask the question. For a while I
5: thought it was final episode of M.A.S.H. That's pretty good. For years it was final episode of M.A.S.H., was it not? The finale of
0: M.A.S.H. Both a huge audience and really um, highly rated. Other remarkable moments would be the finale of The Fugitive in the late 1960s. (sighs) Oh. ooh! Which had an individual episode rating of something like 46, which means 46% of the total possible viewing audience was watching it. And the share, meaning The percentage of those who were watching TV at exactly that time was 72. So that's a lot. Wow. wow. Holy
1: you know, Jesus.
3: I had a pilot on opposite that. Opposite
0: yeah, the I know. <laughs> and you know no, I'm terrible. sorry for that. Uh, so another one on I Love Lucy, here we're in 1953. Okay. Little Ricky episode. This was an episode that they prepared specifically uh, in anticipation of Lucille Ball giving birth. It had a 72 rating, meaning <gasps> almost three quarters of the American public was watching it.
1: Wow. And of course, oh, this is amazing. amazing.
0: And a 92 share. So 92% of the people (gasps) who are watching television were watching that. I had a variety show on opposite that. Yeah, that was a a tough break, man. Um, But the thing is that people really hold on to this idea of the collective experience, that kind of feeling of simultaneity, of watching something together. Yeah, And that remains super, super seductive. A really prominent and well-respected TV critic, who I like a lot, who's really smart and good, kind of got a little bit out over his skis in a review of Game of Thrones. You know, Game of Thrones is one of these shows that people feel like, oh, like everybody watched that, it was huge. It was this kind of global cultural phenomenon. He wrote a great article about the popularity of Game of Thrones and how it felt like it was this kind of moment when people were gathering around their TVs and wanted to participate and engage. And I felt it too. But then I went back and I actually looked up the ratings for that week. And not only did that show not crack the top 10, it didn't even make the top 25 original cable series that week. Wow. Here are the things that did. Pawn Stars, three episodes. American Pickers, Sprint Cup Racing, WWE, two episodes. Covert Affairs, Swamp People, My Babysitter's a Vampire. In Plain Sight, I Party with Victorious, White Collar, So Random, Army Wives, Law and Order, CI, and seven individual episodes of SpongeBob SquarePant. Wow. Wow. That's the thing. We hold on to these shows that feel like they are kind of capturing this larger cultural conversation that we're all invested in, but us and all are really, really relative terms. Yeah. TV is a niche medium now much more often than it is a mass collective
5: one. When I was growing up, of course, there were three television stations when they would show The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. The day of the night that The Wizard of Oz was going to be shown. And then the following day in school, if you were to interview elementary school teachers back in that period, they would tell you that those were difficult days to teach because we were all so excited whether you were scared of it or not you were excited to watch it yeah you know and the room would be just full of everybody talking because it was a collective viewing experience for the most part almost every kid in the classroom that i was in was going to watch the wizard of oz that night and then the next day same thing very hard to teach us because we couldn't shut up about it everyone wanting to tell What, you know, what was the funniest part or when they were the most scared or when their little sister was scared? We really don't have that anymore.
0: Pretty rarely.
5: I, I mean, it's not like I want to go back to three channels. The reason I think that a lot of shows that weren't very good that were on back then, even though there were only three channels, you'd think that would make the competition for the slots, like you'd think that would really make for smooth stones, like the ones who got there would be shiny and bright. But in fact, there are also no remote controls. (laughs) And so when you were done watching a show that you liked, you had to get up and change the channel or turn it off um, if there was something that you didn't like. And most of us were just too damn lazy to do that. And so it appears as if we were all watching shows that weren't very good, um, but we weren't. They were just on in the background. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I don't think would get on TV today, in addition to some shows that I would still, like the Dick Van Dyke show, I would still put up against anything on TV today. Uh, speaking of bad shows, what year did reality TV first curse <laughs> us? Um, was it the result of a writer's strike? <laughs> or did it did somebody just think that was a good idea?
0: Uh. I don't know if anybody thought it was a good idea, but definitely the writer's strikes have led to more reality TV. 2007 is the big one. I mean, there was a ton of explosion of stuff. The 88 writer's strike was almost six months long, and that one definitely had repercussions too. But honestly, a very, very noteworthy, very early reality TV show was An American Family in 1973 on All PBS. Right. Right. You know, that was a really, really interesting show. I mean, we might call it reality TV today.
5: What was it? It was a
3: profile of a family figuring their stuff out.
5: (laughs) You're you're thinking of the Brady Bunch. That was the Brady Bunch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a documentary, Paula.
5: No, the Brady Bunch was definitely
3: a documentary.
5: Do you remember when uh, the uh, An American <laughs> Family, a.k.a. the Brady Bunch, would start out and it had the... The
3: uh, grid of nine Yeah, uh, yeah.
5: Do you remember people. that? Yeah, that was the Brady I Bunch. I
0: definitely remember that, and that um, aired concurrently with this, I probably. But no, An American Family. It was actually really, really interesting. And people actually watched it? Oh, yeah no, they did i mean it was wow. pbs so there were 12 of them but it was good
5: i'd love to find out what happened to that family i'll bet they're all screwed up they got screwed up didn't they do a follow-up series there were some follow-ups eight is enough it was eight is enough that was not a documentary yep, that was follow-up anyway. <laughs> oh no eight is enough is
0: definitely a documentary
3: you know the brady bunch house is right near my neighborhood yeah. so i go buy it quite a bit the thing that really hits you about it is that when you stare at it long enough you realize That house really doesn't have a second floor. And all the bedrooms were upstairs, or at least all the kids' bedrooms. That's because um, one time
5: Bobby was doing an experiment for his science class and he blew the second floor off. You don't remember that episode? (laughs) Oh, that episode, Um, (laughs)
3: right, the volcano.
5: All right, so there was this, an American family that I don't remember at all. Probably because I was beaten down enough by my own family that I had no desire to watch someone else's family that was (laughs) real. Um, So then what was the next reality shows?
0: I think when it really, really takes off is when MTV gets a hold of things and starts doing... um, The real world? The real world, yeah. Then there's a ton of stuff and also a ton of kind of competition-based reality shows, Big Brother and that kind of stuff. A lot of which began not in the US, but in Europe.
5: Yeah. you know. It's part of the reason I hate Europe.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they <laughs> go—they have yeah. a lot to answer for.
5: Honestly, don't they? I, I feel because the networks are greedy and they're not willing to pay writers their fair share, we end up with shit like reality TV. And I just feel that the weight of that needs to be on the heads of every uh, studio CEO. Um, I blame them for the Kardashians. And I can't really think of a, a lower curse.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, you know, I'm not a fan of the Kardashians, but that's not...
3: That's not the bottom.
0: No, that's not the deep wounds. I mean, the deep wounds on our society related to reality TV cut an awful lot deeper than that.
3: Really? Like what? You know, there's also The Apprentice. Oh. Jesus, you're right. You're yeah. absolutely
5: right. What
2: was I thinking? Of course. Oh, my gosh.
3: They created the illusion that Donald Trump was a competent and rich man. Wow. I've totally forgot about... See, I never watched
5: it. I never... Wa- I mean, I... Really, until Law & Order, I really prided myself on not watching bad TV, but <laughs> I, I seem to have let myself go.
0: I try not to be super judgmental about good TV and bad TV, because there are a lot of different tastes, but... doesn't
5: matter. There's good TV and there's bad TV.
0: <laughs> that is definitely one that, like, that's going to leave a mark. It has left a mark. Wow. And we're still working yeah. through
5: it. Yeah, I don't. I. You know, last time I was in New York, I didn't see Benson anywhere, and I didn't feel safe. <laughs> Ah, uh, so that's, you know, one of the, you know, it's made me skittish. Um, what was the longest running show of all time?
0: Um, the Today Show is still on the air in its wow. 72nd season. Oh. So wow. they have been at it for a long time, but I think we have to give some credit to daytime drama, to Soaps. Oh, jeez. Oh, Bold and yeah. the Beautiful is still on. Bolden and the Beautiful is still on, and that's a kid. That's a rookie. Uh, the Guiding Light started on radio in 1937 wow wow and then it was on radio for more than 20 years and it was adapted to tv and ran until about 15 years okay. ago or so wow how about prime time things like uh the simpsons is gonna yeah. show up simpsons. in
5: on
3: those lists oh yeah they're like 35 years now right yeah Do you know i've yeah. never
5: seen a simpsons episode i don't think i get the channel that you would watch it on Never have. There um, is
0: time. Um, yeah. But also, 60 Minutes has been on the air for oh, uh, yeah. decades. Decades. Yeah, and the... it was a top 10 show for also decades.
5: That's true, but the clock has slowed down.
3: Whereas it used to <laughs>
5: right? be now it's
3: the grandfather clock now.
5: I have a question. Why, when Kaylee McEnany brought Leslie Stahl a notebook? full of empty papers uh, when Trump stormed out of their meeting because Leslie Stahl kept asking where the health care plan was. So uh, 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 Kaylee McEnany comes back into the room they were recording in, and, ha- and you know, the, the president asked me to bring you this. And she uh, literally, a, a big, huge notebook full of empty pages.
3: Oh, that was a great episode.
5: Why didn't Leslie Stahl make a big deal of that? I mean, I know that they were empty pages, so she must have pointed it out, because otherwise, how would I know? But you would think that that would have been
3: all over the news, uh, that that we would be- It might be out of the professor's purview at this point. I don't think it is.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right then,
0: Michael, the question to you. I think I think that's a question for Leslie Stahl, and I think it's a question of uh, journalistic ethics. Um, Most reporters, especially people who've been working for decades in the industry, they are preserving their access more than they are serving the public interest in that specific moment. Wow. I don't think that's unfair.
5: No, I don't think it is either. I think it's a reality. All right. As a television historian, I have another question for you. Do you have Leslie Stahl's phone number? And if yeah, just yeah, give yeah. It to me gonna, now.
0: I've, I was actually <laughs> just texting minute. her. Yeah.
5: I'm gonna call her and and call her out on this. All right. Uh, okay. So 60 minutes. What? What else? What? Uh, any series? What was the longest? Like Gunsmoke was on for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah.
3: Everybody always says Gunsmoke.
0: Well, for a a scripted hour long weekly episodic drama.
3: Yeah, that's right up there. Law and Order has to have it, kind of you know, giving it
0: a run for its money now, right? It is. It is. Um, And especially once you start talking about, like, the whole franchise. CSI and all that shit.
5: uh, There's also Law & Order, the Festus uh, series. And uh, is there a performer that's had the most shows, the most series?
0: There probably is, and I don't know who it is.
5: Well, let's just say it was me.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's Yeah.
5: Yeah. I don't know why we wouldn't. You know, it's really a matter of who you talk to. You're going to get a different answer. Um, I don't like to ask people what was their favorite anything, because I think that's too hard a question. It is hard uh, But question. So tell
3: us one of your favorite primetime shows. Just so you know, the correct answer is Breaking Bad.
0: That's a good answer. Better Call Saul might be. Oh, Better Call Saul. Might be a slightly better answer, but they're both good answers. I mean, Cop Rock has got to be yes! in the top five. <laughs>
5: yes! What cop is rock? that? What is that?
0: Oh. Cop rock. Oh my I lord. Tell heard him, heard Michael, it. sing it. You've got 11 episodes of sheer bliss waiting for you. No, it was uh, Stephen Bochco made a cop musical with music wow. supervised by Randy Newman. Uh, it's yep. it's wow. groovy. It's weird. It's delightful. Randy Newman even wrote some of the songs, I he think. Did. The first episode, yeah. yeah. But you know what, there are amazing shows all the time. Somebody somewhere, yeah. Reservation Dogs, the Bear. Those are all half-hour shows. They're funny and they're sweet and they're deeply of soul enriching.
5: What are considered the top 10 shows of all time?
0: Uh, you know, top 10s are tough. Any other things we've been talking about are worth some attention. Honestly, I love Lucy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: Lucy has desire, she is longing to get out. She wants to be on stage, she wants a job, she wants to be a star, and she always tries. She always fails, right? I mean, the the show always makes great sport of her failures, but she always comes back and she always wants more, and she's ready to take on the world. And that stuff ages really, really well. Like, you can go back and, and watch a half dozen episodes of I Love Lucy and not feel dirty.
5: I totally agree, it ages really well. AND THROUGH GENERATIONS what would you say were the biggest changes in television programming in all these years? And, and, and what do you think were the catalysts of said changes?
0: Uh, actually, if we start looking ahead, some of the changes that we're facing is that broadcast television will, in its next generation, will allow for targeted ads that are analogous
3: to what happens on web pages when you see targeted ads. So, Yikes. So you're seeing ads that are related to the kind of audience that... Not just the kind of audience, but to what you watch. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yikes. And the other piece of this is
0: targeted programming. It's likely to become more of an issue with regard to local TV news, which isn't really very local anymore. Local TV news is often only kind of a simulated local. And with the new technical standards, they'll actually be able to have targeted news packages that will be sent to particular households because of because of their demographic profiles or their Ah. you know browsing history that's
3: horrible as though we don't get our news in separate places too much already
0: yeah i'm not i'm not crazy about this yeah it's not good no i don't think it is good um they see this as an opportunity to harvest more eyeballs and tv is chum like that's what tv is the thing that television sells is eyeballs to advertisers And these changes will help television sell more eyeballs to very, very specific advertisers.
3: Well, Michael, that was just fantastic. I hope you'll come back someday because we barely great. scratched the surface yeah. of the history of television. Loads of fun. I'm, I I hope I didn't take us too much to the dark place. No, 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 no. Everybody, he is a television historian and an expert and a professor, Michael Kackman, Everybody, Michael, thank Yay. you so much
5: Yay. for being I on like our it. show. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me. Loads of fun. Coming up, two of the following statements are true. We're about to play two truths and a lie. We're about to play Russian Roulette. <laughs> After hearing Bonnie's story, you may wish we'd played Russian Roulette instead. Ow. Find out which are true when we come back. And now, a news update from the dental chair.
5: The first pile, trial March 4th, 181 more <laughs> <laughs> days. The length of 18... 18- quiet
3: (laughs) this has been a news update from the dental chair a detective came
4: and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with
2: a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town.
4: I don't think that they arrested the right people if it's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack.
3: You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me again in my whole life.
2: You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask,
5: did you kill Renee?
3: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Thank you, Gabe Terraciano. Gabe will be playing in North Carolina, Ohio, Michigan, and Minnesota, and California through September. For more info on his shows, please visit gabeterraciano.com. Gabe,
5: Gabe, that's almost all the states. I don't know how Gabe could even fit us in. That's a lot of states.
3: It's literally a tenth of the states.
5: It's a lot of the states. Agreed. Uh,
3: But as long as we're talking about things that are upcoming, we've got some guests coming up, Paul. It's pretty exciting. We've got in the weeks to come, Julian Walker from the Conspirituality podcast. We've got Shanna Game, emotional money expert from Everyone's Talking Money. We've got Bible historian Ian N. Mills. And we've got Michael Kulikowski who is the Edwin Erie Sparks Professor of History and Classics at Penn State who is coming on to tell us his version of the real causes of the fall of the roman empire i don't think he'll be able to top tony and bonnie (laughs) but uh we'll see
5: What? i can't wait i feel badly michael kulikowski because we already know (laughs) bonnie and tony explained the whole thing
3: yeah hey paula (laughs) yeah as long as we're talking about things that are coming up our audience can expect to see you live in various locales in the weeks to come can they not
5: you know adam Before we talk about any kind of performance, I am here to address a point of friction between Northeasterners and the rest of the country. Hostilities have arisen among those who live in the Northeast and those tourists who come to see the fall foliage. The way I understand it, the leaf peepers, as they're called, would be welcomed by the Northeasterners if they didn't drive so slow while they are peeping. That seems to be the objection of the Northeasterners. They slow traffic, they disrupt. They also, by the way, bring tourism dollars and a boon to the local economy. I understand the frustration on the part of the Northeasterners. On the other hand, what's the point of peeping if you drive by quickly? That's why so little art is displayed at the Indy 500. I have a solution, of course. I'll be in Newton, New Jersey, At the Newton Theater on Friday, September 15th, tourists and locals can come together and enjoy stress-relieving laughter at their own pace. Go to PaulaPoundstone.com for tickets quickly or at your leisure. I'll be in Rutland, Vermont at Paramount Theater on Saturday, September 16th. And as an added bonus for any leaf peepers, I'll be dressed as a tree. (laughs) Get your tickets at PaulaPoundstone.com. Hey, I have a question for you about an upcoming... Ah, fuck me. Hey, I have a... Hey, folks. (laughs) I have a question for you about an upcoming week's news. Who's going to be on the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me panel when they tape in Los Angeles at the beautiful Greek Theater on Thursday, September 28th? Me! So, Los Angeles and Los Angeles adjacent people, go to PaulaPoundstone.com and get your tickets. I'm going to win this time.
3: <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're just rubbing in that weight, weight booking, aren't you, Paula?
5: <laughs> it's a big theater, Adam.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a
5: very big theater.
3: It is. Apparently, not big enough to have me in it, too.
5: That, it's not my point.
3: No, no, it's, it's just my takeaway. Hey, everybody, speaking about takeaways, you're going to take away some knowledge about your beloved podcast hosts and our attendant family because it is time for us to play Two Truths and a Lie ba da da do run run ba da da do
4: one run ba da da run I don't know why I'm singing that. Wow, Bonnie, that, that, was, hey, I that tried.
3: was a lyric-free melange <laughs> <I> of "Do do run run and bird is The Bird.
4: Did we ever wow. have a theme uh, song for this? I don't think I don't, we did.
5: Uh,
3: well, I, we still don't. Okay, that's true.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we ever did, but boy, that comes awfully close to having a theme song. You
3: and Vic got to get on that. Okay. <laughs> We love this game, but we haven't played it in a while because there's only so much that we want to hear about each other. But it is a really fun party game. We're going to play it right here to go over the rules. Uh, one by one, we're going to tell each other two things that are true about us and one thing that is a lie. Tony Anita Hull will be keeping score. Yep. And we will try to guess which of those three statements is the lie.
5: All right. Oh, so it's two truths and a lie? Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: We've had some difficulties with the very concept of this in the past. Oh, um, God. There was two lies and a truth. We fail more often than we succeed. And just No, it's called two truths oh, and a lie, oh, and we, that was oh. what we
4: agreed to. I make like it better, two lies and one truth.
5: I think it plays better no, like that. That's not the game. This is not up for debate. You could have said this at our meeting. I have another game. It's um, one thing that is and two things that might be that's uh very popular no party that's game. not what we're playing right now how hard
3: is it for us to just play adam the- yes
5: uh, this is a this is a party game so adam put on the blindfold and okay um, uh, <laughs> yeah just put the blindfold on and tony can right. you spin him around a couple times sure
3: wow i'm dizzy okay now now what paula
5: uh okay now uh, now with tony are you are you in charge now it tells <laughs> who goes who goes first and what we do because wait that's as far as we go what is it two two truths it's two okay Let's it two is two lies two. and a truth no <laughs> oh man you made her do a
4: noah why not? i think it's more fun okay Noah, because yeah. the game
2: is noah. two truths and a lie and that's what was decided on and that's what some of
5: us prepared for all right. Yeah. Oh, you yes. know okay. what? I can guarantee
3: that's you that's it. not what Bonnie prepared. No,
5: for. I'm <laughs> gonna go along. I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to do. Go along with it. <laughs> you just made Tony do an impression of a biblical figure's angry <laughs> wife. Yeah. No whoa. Oh, That was good.
3: <laughs> Paula, why don't you start with two truths and a lie? Hold on, I gotta rewrite this. And I... remember, you're trying to. Oh, God damn it! Remember, you're trying to fool us here.
5: Okay. Here we go. Number one. I once went through Adam Felber's medicine cabinet. Number two, I stalked Paul Lind for two weeks one summer while on vacation on Cape Cod. Number three, in the late 80s, or maybe it was the early 90s, I was looking at cards in a store while drinking a Diet Coke and listening to music on my Walkman through a headset. And I sneezed, which caused my headset to come off and knock the Diet Coke out of my hand, spinning top over bottom into the boxes of cards. I tried to clean it up, but I damaged a lot of cards. I I didn't think I could afford to pay for all the cards, so I left the store and never went back. Decades later,
3: I sent the store a check with a letter explaining what happened. Wow. This is a toughie. Yeah. I don't know what i do because, Paulie, you and I have been friends for a long time. And back when your kids were kids, I can easily imagine one of them scraping a knee and you having to go through my medicine cabinet to find a Band-Aid or something. In fact, I may have pushed them
5: down so that they would scrape their knee so that so I you could can go see the medicine through camera. your medicine cabin. Okay.
3: And the Paul Lin thing is uh, plausible. And obviously that other story is very, very Poundstonian.
5: I just want to say, I, I want to give a hint. Uh, the one with the puppy it's probably the <laughs> truth. It's true helpful.
3: one. It's not not a good hint. Uh, but Tony, uh, you're first.
4: I'm going to go with the Paul lind I think that's the lie.
3: Okay, Bonnie Burns.
4: Okay, I have a question. Did you look in Adam's medicine cabinet? Asking. You're not, his not allowed public? to do that. <laughs> or you just no, look in no. his medicine cabinet? No, it's
3: absolutely against the rules. Just choose one.
4: All right. Well, the thing is, knowing Paula, it's really hard to believe that she'd do something like the card thing and damage stuff and not say something to the people right then. On the other hand, you know, she could have been when she was broke, comic, she didn't really have any money. Boy, it's hard. But I don't think she'd look in your medicine cabinet without
5: asking you. That's what I was asking. Uh, I'm going to... Th- Whereas you feel terribly confident that I would stalk Paul Lind? I, I believe the Paul Lind one. Um <laughs> Oh, boy, this is hard. Wow. I guess I'm
4: going to do cards in the store is a lie.
3: All right. I'm going to go with uh, my medicine cabinet uh, being the lie. Just because I-, I want us to each pick one because Paula has done an exceptional job here. Paula Poundstone, which one do you think it is? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and that's all we have time for And two truths of the lie.
5: Um. I'll tell you, uh, the what is it? Okay, so I'm telling you the the two lies. Or I'm what telling you the no,
3: what? All you have to do is tell us which one is the tr- the lie. Why? Oh, oh well, they're all true. They're all true. Uh, what?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, then you
3: didn't play the game. <laughs> oh.
5: No, you know what? I can't. I don't uh, have no. the power of okay. censure outside right. the book no. club. Okay, I may, Okay, you know what? It's two truths and a lie. And the lie is that I once went through Adam Felbert's
3: medicine uh, cabinet. There you go. <gasps> oh. you, you really didn't? No, I never did. Never ever? That's that a was lie. the lie. Okay.
2: That's the lie. Right.
3: Yeah. Oh, give me so a point confusing.
2: then. The rule. It's not hard. <laughs> it's- <laughs> Kids play this game,
3: Bonnie. Kids play this game. To show you how this game is played, Tony Nita Hull, you're up next. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> two (laughs) Two truths and a lie (laughs) yes
3: two these two truths and a lie these are all
2: on theme for (laughs) honestly
3: kids play this
2: my young wild days in new york city okay i got drunk on the floor of the new york stock exchange sat on a broker's lap and pretended to trade stocks my friends and i attended SantaCon in new york city to see who could make out the most santas i did not win I used to use my New York Times ID and tell people I was a journalist to get free drinks.
3: Wow, these are good, Tony. Paula?
5: I'm going to say the SantaCon is the lie. No, I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to hope to God it's the lie.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Excellent. Bonnie?
4: What was it, Santa SantaCon? You, oh, you try whoever could kiss the most Santas. Got it.
5: Who could
2: make out with the most Santas. Right.
5: She didn't just say kiss, she said make out. She was really <laughs> leaning towards a Chloe Brown. Just, oh,
4: boy, this is really hard. I think it's uh, the stock
3: exchange. And I'm going to go with SantaCon. No, 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 no. Well, You know what? Let, let's keep this going. I'm going to pick the third one. What was the third one,
2: Tony? Um, I used to use my New York Times ID and tell people I was a journalist to get uh, three drinks.
3: I think you really did that, but I want us to all be guessing different ones, because once again, great job. So I'm going with New York Times.
2: I did not attend SantaCon. <laughs> oh, okay.
3: I was sure about that oh, one. Paula, so Paula nice. gets a point.
2: No, no, absolutely not.
5: I'm so are, relieved. That's disgusting. Are,
3: all of it's disgusting. But the, it's a point uh, for Paula. Point for Paula. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna do. Th- I'm gonna do mine next, and I, I okay. you know, this might not be good because I think I might have mentioned this what, at least one of these before, but I've picked the theme of illegal skinny dipping. I have swum naked in two of these three places. Wow. A, in London, in the Thames River, not far from the Parliament Building. B and a not nude beach public beach in Miami beach see in ralph waldo emerson's iconic walden pond oh wow where he wrote the book walden pond huh only well. one of those three places has not contained a naked version and much younger version of me
5: um i remember the last time we played this game it was you had taught improv naked <laughs> In three different places, and I wish.
1: Yeah, but
3: those were all true.
5: Yeah, I wish I could remember. Yeah, you did, did three, romantic. three truths. You just okay. So, so Paula, what's
3: what's your guess? What, all
5: right, so two of these are not true. No. <laughs> no. no.
3: What? <laughs> One of these screen. is a lie.
5: All right, I'm oh, going to say Miami. I'm going to say that you did not swim naked in Miami. Tony Niedahol. <sighs> Tony Googled it. Were there arrests involved? Because I don't know why anybody would write a story that would be public about your naked twin.
3: <laughs> but she's Googling it.
2: Um, I'm going to go with the Thames.
3: The Thames. All right. We've got London and we've got Miami. I think it's Miami, too. It's a lie. So that was the werewolf of London. Right. Yeah, you know what? Um, no, the lie, Tony Anita Hall was correct. The lie... <laughs> Was the Thames. Have uh, you ever seen that river? It's, it's gross. It's dirty. Yeah. It. yeah, I didn't think <laughs> of that. Yeah, yeah you're really, right. It's really, really awful. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have. But I did. I frequently swam in Walden Pond a late at night with my friends. Um, it's right in uh, eastern Massachusetts. And Miami Beach, it was late at night at That's... my friend uh, Peggy's wedding. A whole bunch of us oh, went and figured. ran onto the public beach. No, the, yeah. but,
5: but the Thames, the Thames very dirty. The Thames was clean until, you know, they've always wondered what fouled it. And apparently it was very clean until someone.
3: Until I taught naked improv. And, that's exactly yeah. what I was trying to say. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, okay, none of so these uh, were... Tony, you get a point now. Wow.
2: Yay!
3: There's a big tiebreaker in the offing because me, Paula, and Tony all have one point. And wow. Bonnie, it's time for Two Truths and a Lie. Okay.
4: Uh, Michael Jackson called me the Bonds. I was certified in scuba diving and a lifeguard. I played Trivial Pursuit with Larry David at his house in Malibu.
3: Wow. All right. Who wants to take this on first? Those are, all, those are great, Bonnie. Um,
5: yeah, those are good. I want to know how many people drown uh, when you are a lifeguard. I,
3: I'd like some more. Maybe, Tony, you could Google that. Wow. She's, um, uh, she didn't say she was a lifeguard. She said she got her cert. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
5: It. I'm gonna. I think that you did not play uh, Trivial Pursuit with Larry David at his home in Malibu.
3: All um, right, Tony, need a hull.
2: Oh, this is hard.
3: But it's it's what the game is, Tony. And there, uh, may I remind you, there are no prizes. What? True.
2: I don't know why. I'm not even like competitive. So I'm gonna be different, and I'm gonna. Oh no, I'm gonna say the Michael Jackson one.
5: Wait a minute, you're not competitive. Well, then why would you take steroids for this game if you're not competitive? <laughs> all
3: right. So you're going to say the Michael Jackson one. Because I love symmetry so much, I'm going to say <laughs> the, the the other one, which was whatever it was. I think the Michael Jackson one is correct. I think somebody called her the Bonds and it wasn't Michael Jackson. Um, and I think that's what that's going to play out. But I'm going to choose whichever one you guys didn't, which would be scuba, the lifeguard and Scuba. I'm going to choose that one so that we're all choosing something different. There's about to be a winner. Bonnie, okay. which is the lie? <laughs>
6: Um,
4: I didn't play Trivial Pursuit with Larry David and Malibu. I played Charades
3: with Larry David.
4: Oh, wow. wow. Nice.
3: Uh-huh. And so Paula Poundstone, Paula Poundstone, Tony, the official score?
2: Adam one, Paula two, Bonnie zero, Tony yeah. one.
3: Paula wow. Poundstone
5: has won this edition wow. of oh, two the Year. So it, it's, it's two truths <laughs> <dudes laughs> and, and then one lie. Is that correct? Yes.
3: Yes, that is correct, Paula.
4: See, I had two really good lies and one great truth. It would have been played better, I think. It played great. (laughs) Well,
3: thank you for those live notes from our producer, Bonnie (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Byrne. So that's what you you didn't get to hear, the better version listeners.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
3: remember to follow this podcast on Apple or wherever you get them. It's free. If there's a subject or topic you want to know more about, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com or go to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com. Leave a comment. We'll take it just like it's an email, and you get the chance to buy some of our fantastic swag there. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam DeFelber. Special thanks to our guest, Professor Michael Kackman. Thank you, Michael. and to our house band Gabe Terraciano yeah,
5: thank you Gabe this
3: here show is produced by Paula Pounce and Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik and Julie Berkobian we are edited and heavily at times by Vic Lowry
5: <laughs> Woo! thank you Vic that's our show for tonight won't somebody please listen to me Whoa, those. You know what? I I always uh, I feel so nervous. You know when Bonnie tells her two truths and a lie.
3: Um, What what makes you so nervous?
5: Well, just you know, sometimes stuff gets revealed. You know that's (laughs) we've worked together for a long time, and I'm not sure I want to know. You know, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I hear, I hear hear that. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah,
5: like the one about Janis Joplin. Remember the one she
3: did about? Oh.
5: Yeah, yeah. I always felt uncomfortable after she shared that.
3: Um. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to be, for anybody to be partly responsible for the death of a legend.
5: Yeah. And I feel
4: like I should have said something and... Uh, I, I'm I've, not bragging. I did work with her. You're not here.
3: You're terrible mm. at being not here.
4: Okay, sorry to step in. But.
3: Yeah, well. Yeah, no, geez. step out. Thank you. Wow.
5: It's your guys' time.
3: Thank you. How about if you just don't Shut
1: talk
5: up. and we
3: can okay. make it our time? Okay. <laughs>
5: This is why when you're a part of a couple it's not a good idea to have a roommate. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Bonnie, funny. Funny. just I'll step out. And and Chloe and Red going at it and Bonnie going out I'll, you know what? I'll step out. I just uh I Oh see? Chloe yeah. and
3: Red, it's stuck with you. Yeah, Chloe and Red That book had legs. All these minutes later you remember that. Oh, oh. what are you
5: kidding me? Chloe and Red? Oh my gosh, it's I, yeah. have you seen my tattoo?
3: Yeah, I, that's. I find that to be questionable. In the heat yeah. of the moment, you got that Chloe and yeah. Red it's, tattoo.
5: Yeah, and uh, you can see here that the, the the special arm um, uh-huh. with the sperm in it in her mouth. Yeah, and um,
3: yeah, I do see that. Um, I don't want to be the one to tell you. I know it's upside down for when you look at it. Um, he spelled Chloe Collie. <laughs> oh, shh.
1: <shit.
5: laughs>
3: It kind of looks like it might be a romance between a, you know, a collie and an Irish setter or something.
5: No, no, because if you look carefully, his name is Dur. Uh, you know what? The guy didn't do it right. Sure. Uh,
3: no. <laughs> collie and Dur. Oh man. You didn't go to that dyslexic tattoo parlor uh, out on Santa Monica Boulevard, did you?
5: Yeah, yeah, the one called Chaos Out of Order.
3: Yep, exactly. Ah, yeah. oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I managed to beat them at their own game, as evidenced by my mom tattoo. <laughs>
5: yeah, good, wow! Good thinking, yeah. And of course, your brother, <laughs> your brother Bob is representing. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that says Dodd. No, no, he's still. You shouldn't have gone with a lowercase. People confuse D's and B's. Yeah, they, they do. Mom and Dodd. Come on, come on, and take it. Take another little piece of my heart now, baby. <laughs>
3: everybody as longtime listeners know when helix mattresses first started sponsoring our show Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection, which I have the newly released Helix elite collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers. And they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux.
5: Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go
3: to com slash paula. That's helixsleep.com slash paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their
5: best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
3: <laughs> paula. Paula, oh. I invited you over, but <laughs> you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code.